Hello, wonderful humans, and welcome to episode 28 of the Embers Collective podcast. Today we have myself, Lonan Jenkins, telling the story of Thor's hammer. Enjoy. Thor, god of thunder, protector of the Aesir, most brave, strong, and valiant in battle, son of Odin, thunder god, woke up one morning. Without even opening his eyes, he knew something wasn't right. He reached down under the duvet, fondling and fumbling for that long, hard, familiar shaft, and he realized his hammer was missing. So Thor did whatever Thor does when something goes wrong, and he thought if Loki was to blame. But he realized that even Loki would not be stupid enough to steal his hammer, so he did the second thing that Thor does when something goes wrong, and he went to Loki for help. Your hammer, said Loki. You've lost your hammer. The hammer that protects us from all of the frost giants and fire demons. Your hammer, Thor, is missing. I know, said Loki. We'll go ask Freya for help. See, Freya had a long cloak, which when draped around the shoulders of the wearer, it could transform them into an eagle, and they could fly far and wide, searching and seeking for whatever it was they were looking for. So the two men walked into the hall of the great Freya. She sat on her throne, her cats sitting behind her, purring her necklace of the brysings around her neck, her golden hair tumbling over her shoulders. And the two little men approached her throne. Freya! Freya! Beautiful, wonderful, strong, intelligent, funny Freya! We would like to borrow your cloak. My cloak, said Freya. My cloak. You think I would give my most prized possession to you, Loki, son of Laufoy. You think I would give it to you, of all people. No way, under no circumstances, absolutely not. Thor's hammer is missing. Ah, said Freya. In that case, let me get my cloak. And so Loki placed the cloak around his shoulders, taking the form of an eagle. He took to the skies and he flew far and he flew wide. Looking down on the world below him, the tiny trees and the rolling hills, and he thought, I could just fly away. Leave the gods far behind and never have to put up with their rubbish ever again. But that's not how Loki did things. So he searched. Looking for something weird, something out of the ordinary, something that stood out, and far below him he spotted it. A giant sitting on a mound of earth, plaiting dog collars. Ah, said Loki, I think this might be my place. And he began to circle down lower and lower as this strong, overwhelming stench of ox shit began to fill his nostrils. Uh, uh. Oh my god, that, what, what is that? It's disgusting. And he got lower and lower as the smell grew stronger and he landed on the ground and approached the giant. Giant! Giant, he said. 
Thor's hammer is missing. Would you know anything about it? And the giant finished plaiting a dog collar and placed it on a pile and he said, I do. I've taken it. And I've buried it so far under the earth's surface that even Odin with his all-seeing eye would not be able to find it. Well, what do you want in return? Asked Loki. We could give you the sun, we could give you the moon, we could give you the, all the gold and diamonds that we have. I do not want the sun or the moon or any of your golden diamonds. What I want is Freya's hand in marriage. Of course, said Loki. Classic giant. Tell me, giant, what is your name? My name is Thrym, and I am king of the giants. Very well, Thrym. Give me eight days and eight nights, and I will return to you with Freya to be your bride. And so Loki took to the sky once again, flying over the hills and the trees and the rivers, making his way back to the hall of the giants. And before he even landed in the courtyard, Thor grabbed him by the scruff of the neck and pinned him to the ground. Tell me what you know, Loki. Did you find my hammer? Relax. Relax, Thor. I, I found your hammer. A giant named Thrym has it, and all he wants is Freya's hand in marriage. Ah, said Thor. You, you should ask her. You're good at asking people for things. And though the two little men walked back into Freya's hall, and they returned her cloak, and they stood before her. Freya! Freya! Beautiful, strong, intelligent, funny Freya. We found Thor's hammer. Good news. And all the giant wants in return is not much, really. It's a very, very small thing, and, and we think it's a great idea. All the giant wants is your hand in marriage. Freya smiled down at the two men, who began to congratulate each other, high-fiving, so pleased with themselves that they had sorted this problem out. And then they began to feel the walls shaking as dust began to crumble from the roof and Freya looked down, her cats arching their back and hissing as her knuckles turned white on her throne. Who do you think I am, Loki? Do you think you can just sell me off to a giant in return for Thor's hammer? Get out! I can see why... Oh, the giants want to marry her. She's very attractive when she's angry. Shut up, Thor. And so a meeting of the gods was called to decide how they would get Thor's hammer back. Freya's hand in marriage was not an option, and each of the gods put forward different ideas and different solutions, but each one Loki shot down with a problem. Until all the gods had spoken except for one. Heimdall. Tell us, Heimdall, what is your idea, said Loki. No, no, said Heimdall, it, it, it's, it's really silly, it, it, it's not, it, it wouldn't work, and, and you wouldn't do it anyway. Tell us, tell us, Heimdall, there is nothing any of us would not do to get my hammer back. Okay, okay, hear me out. 
So, the Giants, they've never actually met Freya. They, they've just heard all the songs about her beauty, but they've never seen her in the flesh. So, how about we dress Thor in a wedding dress? We put the necklace of the Brysings around his neck and we send him off to marry the giant and he can get his hammer back. Absolutely not. That is the stupidest idea I have ever heard, said Thor. Shut up, said Loki. Thor, god of thunder, protector of the Aesir, most brave, strong and valiant in battle, Son of Odin, Thunder God, stood in the middle of the hall, surrounded by all the gods in a beautiful white wedding dress. On his fingers were hundreds of glittering and gleaming rings. And Freya stepped forward and placed the necklace of the Brysings around his neck with a smirk on her face. And a veil was placed on his head and pulled down over his face. I'll come with you, said Loki. No, it's fine, said Thor. I'll go on my own. No, no, said Loki. I insist. And Loki transformed himself into a beautiful bridesmaid. And together they stepped into Thor's chariot pulled by his two goats, Snarler and Grinder. And together they took to the skies and they flew towards the land of the giants. Let me do the talking, said Loki. And as they began to descend into the land of the giants, the overwhelming stench of ox shit filled their nostrils. Oh my god, said Thor, what the fuck is that? Is that... it smells like... A, a Chinese takeaway that's been left in the fridge for weeks. Oh, it's disgusting. And they got lower and lower and lower until they landed in the great courtyard. Stacks of ox shit surrounding them and a path of straw leading towards a great big wooden door. This must be the place, said Loki. They made their way towards the great big wooden door which creaked open as they approached to reveal a giant hall filled with all the giants. They'd all come out to see their king married to the beautiful Freya. And they were greeted by Thrym's grandmother. This, this is the beautiful Freya that everyone sings songs about. She does not look very beautiful to me and, and she has fat ankles. Thor turned round to give her a glare. Loki managed to pull him down into the hall towards the top table where Thrym sat waiting for his bride-to-be, a great big smile on his face. Loki managed to position himself between Thrym and Thor. As they sat down, Thrym clapped his hands for them to start the feast. And what a feast it was. There was so much food. Pots of potatoes, oxen bigger than all of the giants there, and salmon the size of a small child. Vats of beer and wine were wheeled out, and pastries and cakes for dessert. And Thor began to eat. Oh, did he eat. He stuffed his face, jamming giant legs of oxen into his mouth and pulling it off the fat and 
dripping down into his beard, sticking a whole salmon into his mouth and pulling it out with just the bones remaining. As Thrym watched him guzzling down a gallon of beer. Well, <laughs> I, I have never seen a woman eat quite so much, <laughs> he said to Loki. There is a perfectly reasonable explanation, said Loki. Uh, uh, eight days and eight nights. She has been so looking forward to marrying you that she has not been able to eat. Ah, said Thrym. Well, yeah, me too. I, I, I really like the fat in her beard. It, it's very attractive. I think I want to kiss her. And before Loki could stop, Thrym leaned over and lifted up the veil. And instead of the beautiful eyes of Freya staring back at him were the burning eyes of the Thunder God. Ah! He cried, stumbling backwards. Loki, those are not the eyes of the beautiful Freya that I have heard about in songs. Ah, said Loki. Yes, well, there is a perfectly reasonable explanation. Eight days and eight nights she has been so looking forward to marrying you that she has been unable to sleep. Thrym, shall we get on with the wedding and, and get Thor's hammer out here? Yes, yes, good idea, said Thrym. And once again, he clapped his hands. And four giants dragged the great hammer out into the middle of the hall. Thor stepped forward with Loki by his side. And as he reached towards that well-worn, familiar shaft, he heard a cough. From behind him. <clears throat> Thrym wanted to speak. He stood up, taking a crumpled piece of paper out of his pocket. His mom watched on, her eyes filling with tears, so proud of her big boy on his big day. Oh, Freya. Freya, you are so sweet. I just can't wait to caress your feet. Like an oxen standing in a field or a giant at war without a shield, my love for you will never end. Will you be my forever and ever friend? There wasn't a dry eye in the house. As everyone looked at the beautiful Freya and her husband-to-be standing, his heart bursting from his chest. And then they heard the sound of thunder. It seemed far away to begin with as it rumbled and cracked and roared, but then it began to get closer and closer as the walls and floor began to tremble and shake, and then they realised that the thunder was not coming from outside or far away, it was coming from in the hall, as there in front of them, raising his hammer above his head, tearing off the veil, was the Thunder God, son of Odin. Ah! <laughs> he roared. 
He swung his hammer, bringing it down on Thrym's head first, spraying his brains and blood and bones all over the wall, driving him into the table, spraying the food everywhere. Thor brought his hammer down again and again and again. Bones were crushed. Skulls were smashed, intestines and guts sprayed everywhere. Some flower girls almost ran away from Thor, but he managed to bring it down hard on their heads as they screamed. And as he brought one final blow down on the head of Thrym's grandmother, screaming, I do not have fucked ankles! Loki crawled out from under a table and surveyed the carnage around him. The blood pooling all over the floor, the guts, the broken bones, the screams and groans of decimated giants coming from every corner. That wasn't so bad, he said. You got your hammer back. And you had a really good dinner. I I did have a good dinner, said Thor. And you, you even had pudding. Oh, Thor, you've, you've got a bit of brain in your beard. And Loki picked the brain out, and the two men hiked up their skirts, tiptoeing their way through the blood and the bones and the guts. And they made their way home. Thank you very much. You're welcome. We are here with Tim Carp. Hi. Lonan Jenkins, Hello. and me, Sam Ricks, the third. <laughs> um, what, the, what happened to the first two? Died <laughs> horribly, really badly. Um, so that was Thor's Hammer by mm. Lonan Jenkins, a bit of an Embers Collective staple, actually. If you've been to our events, then um, maybe you've seen Lonan tell that before very well as well. But um, so Lonan, that that originated at one of our evening of Norse mythology events in Sutton House in Homerton. Yeah. Um, and it was kind of the first time I saw you break out into more of a character um, with your storytelling. Um, can you just talk a little bit about that? Yeah, it, it definitely was the first time I, I did a... I kind of did a funny in a way... Um, you know, before that, I'd been doing some quite serious, heavy myths. Like, it's, it's quite a few years. It's like three, almost three years ago, probably now. Mm. Um, and it's the first event we did in Sutton House of that evening of Norse mythology. And I, and I, and I found this amazing story. And, and when I told it, yeah, it was, it was quite, it was so fun to play with and to, and to see the audience's reaction to all the, all the bits that happen and, and the kind of really bizarre turns of events within it. Um, and yeah, it was it was really great, and it became it became a, a, a sort of one of my favourite stories to tell. And I used to tell it a lot, and then I think I fell out of love a bit with it. Mm. But definitely, it was the first time I felt myself pushing into more of a character funny thing, which actually, like you know, really you you've you were you sort of inspired me to do because you you bring a lot of character and a lot of like macabre hilarity into your stories, and and it was very much. Um, Sort of trying to trying to do a bit of that as well, you know. Yeah, I I always think with with storytelling, and I mean just with any performing in general, but when you do bring character to it, it doesn't even ha- it doesn't have to be much, you know. It's just a slight change of the voice or something, just to, you know, you're getting across a silhouette of what that character is. Mm-hmm. So, and it, and it just adds that different dimension to the story, so the audience just has that picture in their heads. 
provided by you. Yeah. And then you can play around with what the role of that character is. So, for example, with, with the Thor mythology, Thor is typically this big masculine man who's the god of thunder and lightning. And um, and you were kind of... What you were doing is playing around with that voice. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I see making fun of the the sheer masculinity of Thor. Yeah. Um, who's just this uber male, the laddiest of lads. Yeah. Um, and and as a result, you know, an audience finds that funny because they immediately recognise it and then immediately see what you're doing. Um, and, I, and I know that part of the story is Thor wearing a dress, but then, you know, you bring that out even more. Yeah. Because um, he really doesn't want to do it. Yeah. Um, I mean, like, was that a conscious choice or was that was that what the story kind of made you do because that's kind of what you you're exploring anyway with it isn't it it's yeah just masculinity yeah that demasculation of such a hyper masculine character and he is so hyper masculine like he 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 he's the you know he's just a man isn't he and he and he deals with everything with violence that's his yeah. first thing and and the fact that loki is almost always by his side going like mm, should we think about this but but in the end loki is the one who's by his side when he, you know, massacres all of the giants. Um, and, yeah, definitely playing around with that. I think, you know, when I first found the story, I found it just absolutely hilarious, this idea of, of this hyper-masculine figure wearing a wedding dress and going and marrying a giant. And then I, I wanted to really turn that up and play with it um, and make him just uh, that sort of more a bit masculine and yeah he doesn't want to and i and, and i guess in the original story it's very much seen as a as a negative thing that he has to dress as a woman mm. it's seen as something that you know really brings shame on him and and he and loki you know you know we were talking about it before and you were saying it's it's funny to see loki in that position of almost being the voice of reason in this um but loki i i think loki all along knows that the solution is that thor is going to have to wear a wedding dress and yeah. go, and but he wants the gods to to come up with the idea themselves. Loki doesn't mind turning into a woman at all, though, does he? No, he's fine with it. Yeah, he he turned like, he you know he turned into a sexy pony in one of the other stories as yeah. well. He he loves a good flirt. <laughs> but I think it's because he really, yeah he realizes as a I mean, this is my take on Loki, but he's such a shapeshifter and he realizes that to get what you want, you do have to change shape you can't be set in this way yeah and so when you have him who is such a chameleon of a of a archetype yeah. with thor who's very much just this robust yeah, man i'm thor i'm thor and I've got, a, I've got a hammer Smash. And I, yeah i hit people and it's kind of um and loki's just sort of saying with, with that story it's kind of like you do have to just break out of what you are you know and as you managed to put into the story, it was like Thor quite liked it. Mm. Thor did by the end of it enjoy wearing a wearing mm. a wedding dress because it is just you know these roles we play um, and obviously we're putting our modern take on it. And like you say, back in the day, it might have been very different. It might have been like, oh, God, and he had to wear a wedding dress. <laughs> Jesus, could you imagine? I know how embarrassing. It's also quite funny because, uh, you know, I have worn a number of wedding dresses in my time. And, I, you know, I find it really funny to, mm. to do. Mm. Um, and I and, and I think maybe I don't know I don't know which came first whether telling the story of me wearing wedding dresses but maybe I feel like I'm embodying this like um, feminine Thor in some in some ways it's it's quite fun to play with um, yeah but I I think also you know Thor is is a character that that most of us know through the sort of 
Marvel yeah. um, films and, and I've never actually seen them and, and, and I think I should watch them but I think they present this, you know, this sort of new version of Thor that, that is some connected to the myths but is also very different and I know from like talking to people about what they know about Thor from them and I like trying to not do that in this story and, and to present this this ver- other version of Thor that we've taken from um, from the mythology and, and then like you said sort of put our own modern spin on it and our mm. own my own um, intentions onto it um, yeah and it's also I think like it's the story I feel most comfortable doing I think it's the story I know really well so now when I, I tell it live I can really play with it and I also think it's a story I, I feel like we me and you Tim do do very well together because we've done it so many times we know it and and you really know like all the points like building up to him you know emerging and yeah yeah it's the it's the same when when you know a song really really well mm. and you can you can nuance all the little bits you know what's coming like you said and you can build up to that moment and you can yeah it's it's just a classic thing of the more the better i know something the better job we can do together mm. and when you can trust me more and I can trust you more and mm. the more you can play with it yeah I think the challenge comes then with uh keeping it alive yeah so it's when you find yourself halfway through doing it and you're going I'm just going through the motions with this yeah, like yeah. I'm just on autopilot here and so then it's like you say you need you just need to take a little step back from it sometimes yeah. and then when you come back and you do know it you know it's so well you could you know you could do it backwards yeah and you're like, well, f- fuck it, I'll just play around with it a little bit. I'll just, um, I-, I want to have fun doing this. And I think when you're telling it with that intention, it just brings so much to what you're doing. Because um, you've got to constantly, when you're, when you're doing the same thing, and uh, you've got to constantly keep it fresh for you. It's got to sound like this has just come to you as well. Yeah. And you've got to play with it and you've got to be alive with it. Um, but you you have to go through that process of kind of getting bored with it, coming back to it, getting bored mm. with it, coming back to it, and then it, you know it's just a cycle, and then we die. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, I yeah I I think you need to f- keep finding and rediscovering new yeah. things that you want to to bring out in the story, and definitely I did have a phase where I, I found it very stale. I think I just lost what it was that I w- was trying to. Yeah, but I think also, I mean, and it's like we've spoken about, like with these with these stories, is that you as the teller are going to put yourself into it. So you, as you've said, like you quite enjoy wearing a wedding dress. You like doing all that stuff. Thor doesn't. But you're going to be bringing yourself into it. Now, if mm. I was to tell that, I would maybe tell it from a different perspective and bring my own thing into it. Mm. And it's kind of how stories work. It's like the lens through which it's being viewed is going to completely change the way we see it and you know we the way that the the community that we have around us now and the way that the world is now is so much more open and free and mm. silly and fun that a guy in a dress isn't that big a deal mm. um whereas back then it was a big deal mm. um even though they all plaited their hair so i don't know what their <laughs> problem was <laughs> vikings weird um but but like now it's kind of like so it's kind of you have to get across why that is a big deal. Yeah. And so to do that, you then have to ramp up this hyper-masculinity, et cetera, yeah. and, and bring all that stuff into it. Um, I guess that kind of comes from the uh, the queer story stuff that mm. we've been 
that the Embers Collective has moved into, which mm-hmm. has just taken off and has been wonderful, mm-hmm. opened that up to a whole new community. Um, it'd be quite interesting to sort of see if you were to bring that out more, how that would work within that context. I have thought about it. I have, I've, I have thought about sort of making, you know, ch- changing it and, and, and making it even more sort of um, camp and, and more fitting with the, with the queer story thing mm. and, and, and trying to play with it and work with it and see how that can work within that evening is, is, is something I'd really like to do. Um, so maybe that's you know the yeah. next next project. It's because as I was thinking about it, like Loki as a character, we were talking about Loki. He's quite queer. He's yeah. quite you know he's a shapeshifter. He sleeps with men and women. He gave birth to a horse. Yeah. Um, I don't know what category that falls into, but <laughs> <laughs> he did. And uh, it's just really interesting how this person who is, in my mind, utterly human. Um, is such a shapeshifter and is so free and is so open and yeah. is as a result is the most cunning and most intelligent and wily and able to get on with anyone and manipulate people so much mm. and it's like how that's then viewed through that lens along with Thor who's just this big sto- archetype of like no 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 I'm the man and as soon as you put him in a situation he can't be in it's like oh, what do I do what do I do what yeah. do I do he just smashes things <laughs> how most men do with situations that they don't yeah. know anything confusing or difficult. It's like, ah! Yeah, I'm just going to punch my way through it. <laughs> yeah, it's it's really fun to do live. Like, that first time um, that I did it in Sutton House really does stand out um, because I remember that feeling of actually making people laugh with a story. And then, you know, recently doing it at Sol and Alex's wedding and hearing people almost, like, calling out bits of the story or, like knowing what was happening next, like knowing the build-up to the wedding that everyone was going to get smashed to pieces and people were going, no, no, Thor! And it was like, it's so fun to do. And I think that that is what's sort of reignited it and made me fall in love with it again is it's like, you know, playing, being a band and playing your, you know, your, the, the song that everyone knows and everyone and seeing people's reaction and they're, they're fun with that. And that doesn't happen because we kind of, change our stories quite a lot and we do new stories quite frequently it's nice to have one that people know so it's actually good to record it we, we did record it ages ago but it's nice to get it out there this time um, yeah I think that's yeah uh, have we got anything to promote mm, I guess we're not sure when this is going to go out but if if you're listening check out our Facebook yeah. page it's probably the best and um, on our website, go on www.theemberscollective.com for all of your Embers Collective news. Okay, I guess that's a goodbye from me. And a goodbye from me. And a goodbye from me. Be well. Thank you.